What's shaking fire nation JLD here with the entrepreneurs on fire October 2020 income report. The gross income for October was $139,557. Our total expenses were $28,487 for a net profit of $111,070. The difference between October and September was $107,000 less. A big part of that was because I didn't get that HarperCollins advance this month again that I got the prior month. And everything else was looking good because our net profit overall gross revenue percentage 80%. When I said 80% or higher, I'm happy. In today's Fire Nation, we'll be talking about closing out our California trip, podcast movement, and a couple other quick things. But first, we're going to thank our sponsors. If you're feeling like you have no idea where to start with your online course journey, then Thinkific's five-day course challenge is for you. You'll walk away with a complete blueprint for your online course that you'll be ready to put into action. Sign up for this free challenge today at thinkific.com slash fire. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-F-I-C dot com slash fire. All right, Fire Nation, we're going to kick off the income report with Josh, Mr. CPA on fire himself, the tax tip that he's bringing for us, which is what to look for when hiring a tax and accounting professional. Josh, take it away. John, as we get towards the end of the year in this 2020 year that just feels like it won't ever end, I know that many of Fire Nation is going to start looking at their taxes and accounting. And one thing many people start to look at during this time of year is how are they going to actually handle their taxes and accounting? And this is especially true if if people just started a business, they've never used a a tax accountant or a CPA or anything like that, or even people have been doing this for years. Maybe they're starting to reevaluate and say, is this the right person for me? And there's several ways you can go with this, right? You could could do the work yourself. Um, You could hire some cheap seasonal help for for year-end tax prep like a place you could just go into Walmart and they have the booth set up and they'll do their ta- your taxes for you. Or you could bring in a true tax and accounting professional to make sure you are truly tracking your numbers properly and minimizing your taxes while staying in line with the IRS. And I'm going to give some tips on, on, on these options here. Um, but just as a general rundown, if you're an individual with just a very basic tax return, you haven't started a business yet, I see no problem with handling your own taxes. Right? The IRS has literally free websites on their website that you can go to and file your taxes for free. If all you have is a W-2, maybe a mortgage, some very little things like that, there really is not an issue with doing that yourself. Um, If you're a business owner, I highly recommend going with one of the latter two options, meaning having a professional do it for you. And if you're a successful business owner, you have a lot of stuff going on with it, I think you need to hire a professional that you're going to work with throughout the year that's going to have those numbers in good shape and it's going to come up with a comprehensive tax strategy that you can put in place, right? Because if you just go with the seasonal tax help, some of those guys are great. I'm not knocking them. They know how to do taxes, but all it's going to do is be backwards looking and say, okay, you made this much, this is how much you owe in taxes. If you have a successful business, taxes are going to be one of your largest expenses. So you're going to want to have an actual professional that's working with you throughout the year to make sure that you're minimizing those taxes. And you can only get that by hiring an actual professional, right? So the logical question then becomes, if you're ready to hire this professional, how do you choose, right? There's a million different things you can look at. There's different designations. There's people that have no designations. What should you be looking at? 
the first thing you should look at is that professional designation, right? It's possible to do both tax and accounting work without any designation whatsoever. This isn't like an attorney where you have to be a licensed attorney to practice the law. Someone can go and, and, and literally hang their shingle, set up shop, and start filing taxes with no experience, no designation. And I do know plenty of people who do this, and they do it very well, right? So I'm not saying that it's not possible to find a good tax professional that doesn't have a designation. The problem is it's going to be difficult for you to measure their qualifications. So unless you can get some really good referrals that let you know that this person's good, it's harder to know. Whereas if you're looking at someone like a CPA or an EA, which is an enrolled agent, an IRS tax designation, you know that they've met some minimum standards to get those designations, meaning they've, they've passed some education that they need to have. Um, they've had experience that they need to have to get those designations. You know that they're using, doing continuing education, so they're continuing to learn about the tax laws as they go. Right? So I do recommend, unless you have some really, really good referrals of someone that doesn't have these designations, look to someone with a designation that proves you they've, they've cleared those minimum barriers to, to, to have the education and the experience necessary to do it. Plus, some of those, like a CPA, if someone files complaints on, on a CPA, that's public knowledge that you can access. Right? So that's, that's another benefit of it. The second thing I would look at is experience level. Right, you should be looking at both how many years a person has been in the tax and accounting business and also their, their experience in your specific industry. Right? Because, look, I, right out of college, I, 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 I had an accounting degree, which sounds great. But if I would have tried to file someone's taxes, I would have had no clue what I was doing. Right? You want someone that has those years under an experienced tax professional who's prepared a lot of tax returns before they prepare yours if they're going to be your tax professional, right? So look at their years in the business, but also look at their experience within your specific industry because there are a lot of similarities in the tax and accounting world between various businesses, but there's some things that are very, very unique to your business, right? So I would personally look at someone who has plenty of years in the industry itself, but also specifically within your industry so that they know specific strategies and tactics that can help your business. Number three, I would look at proactive versus reactive, right? This is the difference between one of those seasonal tax shops and a true professional like I was talking about before. You want someone that's going to work with you year round so they're looking ahead and saying, hey, it looks like you're going to owe $20,000 in taxes this year. Why don't we look at doing this? Whereas someone that's reactive, you're going to go to their, to their shop in March and they're going to say, all right, you owe $20,000. Right? You want someone that's looking ahead, not just backwards. And in the accounting industry, there's a lot of looking backwards. Try to find a professional that's going to look forward. And finally, the last thing I would look at is I would look at the relationship. You want someone that you enjoy working with. And look, us CPAs and tax professionals, we're not known for being the most uh, Mr. or Mrs. personality. Right? We get a, a kind of a bad rap for, for not having much of a personality. You, they don't have to be the most outgoing person in the world. You don't have to go and have a, a, a drink with them and they become your best friend. But you should like working with them, especially if it's going to be someone that you work with throughout the year. They shouldn't make you feel uh, dumb for asking questions. They shouldn't make you feel like you're a hassle for asking questions. Find someone who's willing to answer your questions, who you enjoy working with, and that you want to spend years together and, and, and put as a true member of your team that can help you build your business. All right, so if you're looking for a new accountant, my advice, take your time, find the right person that meets your needs, right? Meet with several different people if you have to. This is a very important decision. A good accountant can, one, can be one of the key members of your business, right? So interview lots of people, ask lots of questions, and choose wisely. And as always, if, if anyone has any questions, if they are looking for that tax professional and haven't found one, you can reach out to us directly, josh at cpmfire.com. Plenty of free resources on our website, cpmfire.com. And just reach out. Let's talk about it.
Josh, my man, thank you as always. Appreciate it, brother. And Fire Nation, it is time to bring on the one, the only, Kate Lynn Erickson. We're going to talk about closing out our California trip. Kate, take it away. What's up, Fire Nation? Excited to be hopping on the mic to chat about October. Holy cow. John, like Christmas trees, holidays, <laughs> Thanksgiving. We did just buy a Christmas tree at Home Depot. We did. I, I was really nervous that they were going to run out. So I was like, I guess we better buy it now. And then you bought a bunch of lights and you're hanging up lights and you're painting your office. Like you're getting really decorating. I know. I'm doing all the things. I. <laughs> My next move is like my actual setup because I've now moved my desk like four times. Office is just kind of, it's kind of a weird like shape. Don't you think so? I think for an office, kind of. For a bedroom, it definitely would work. But yeah, I can see where you struggle. I mean, I guess it's just like I want to take advantage of the windows and look out the windows but then where I have to have my desk. But anyway. <laughs> Guys, <nation>. follow Kate <laughs> on Instagram if you want to see these debacles and her painting and all this stuff. Uh, Kate yeah. L. Erickson. I actually did just post a picture of the new paint. I love it. <laughs> um, all right. So what went down in October? Well, we closed out our Cali trip. You guys remember from September that we spent a good chunk of the month in San Diego visiting our old stomping grounds right on the bay there in Pacific Beach. And wow, that was amazing. And we closed it out in October with some time in Joshua Tree National Park. We did some camping. And then I also, well, John, you headed back home about a week before me. I hung out in Cali for an additional week so that I could do a little palm with my mom and my sister, which was awesome. Um, But wow, Joshua Tree National Park, Anyone tuning in who has not been there, who loves the desert, who loves nature, who loves camping, holy cow, it's a beautiful place. Um, We actually have a few pictures of our trip and some of the hiking that we did over on the income report. So definitely make sure to head over and check that out, eofire.com forward slash income eight six. And another thing that I really loved about Joshua Tree is that We were just completely off the grid. There was no internet, no cell phones, no computers. Man, we did some epic stargazing. And it was just really great to hang out and spend so much quality time together with a great group of people, amazing hikes. John, what was your highlight from Joshua Tree? It was definitely that unbelievable trek we took to find the Eagle Mine, which I'm surprised you don't have a picture there. I guess you're going to have to put one up now. So Fire uh, Fire Nation, there will be a picture of Eagle Mines at eofire.com slash income86. And real quick backstory is like, this is like an old abandoned mine. that's like not on any map. Like you really have to go to like these underground websites to find like where it is. And they're still pretty vague about it as well. So we really had to uh, use all of our pathfinding skills to get there. And uh, it took us a couple times, like two different days to actually go there and, um, or actually try to find it. And that we were successful the second time, which was a blast. And I'd say the other thing that I thought was really cool about our trip was I, I finally learned what Joshua tree means or why it was named that is when the Mormons were coming across the land and they saw these Joshua trees and it looks like there's two or more arms like up supplicating to the heavens. And so they called them Joshua tree, like after Joshua for some reason. And it was just really interesting to see these, these 
trees and kind of put yourself back in the mind of these Mormons who are coming across this land like hundreds and hundreds of years ago, having no idea what was over the horizon. So I kind of put myself in that situation a few times mentally. It was super cool. And like Kate said, the light pollution is almost zero at Joshua Tree. So the stargazing was spectacular, shooting stars, you name it. We had a great crew, awesome food every night, and you earned it because we went on a bunch of hikes. So overall, it was uh, just an epic trip, and uh, Joshua Tree was uh, a 10 out of 10. What do you think, Kate? Back to the pathfinding skills. So that I, I actually am disappointed in myself for not including something about that whole debacle because we set out that first day. We were like, all right, we're going to go find this. And in retrospect, of course, it took us actually finding it to be able to look back and say this. But essentially, like if you were to look on a map and you were looking like at an aerial view and you saw the path that we took the first day where we just like completely were nowhere near it, even though we were continuing to try and convince ourselves that like, okay, no, like this must be it. We were literally following a guide that, because this was off trail, there's not a trail for it. So we're following this guide that's like, at the boulder, take a right. And we're like, (laughs) there's boulders everywhere. Like, what is this person talking about? So um, it would actually be pretty interesting if we could like map ourselves the first day and the second day, because after about taking, I don't know, a hundred steps, in the right direction. Then we went right the first day and left the second day. It was pretty cool. And just like it was actually very fulfilling and a cool moment to actually find it that second day. So I will absolutely go and add pictures. Fire Nation, definitely check it out. Well, let's move on to settling back into PR. I mean, after our two trips, we did one to Maine and then one to Cali. We did have a two week um, in the middle. We're actually just me back in PR for those two weeks um, in the middle there. Or were you, were you back too, Kate? I forget. (laughs) (laughs) Don't even remember that I was here. (laughs) Oh, it just all blends into one. I don't know. Was I alone? Was I, was I, I mean, I should just know by, was I eating real food or was I just eating broccoli? I should, I should remember just by that. So, (laughs) (laughs) so were you there? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. So Kate was here during those two weeks in between Maine and Puerto Rico. Um, And then we went uh, in between Maine, I should say, and Cali in Puerto Rico. And then we went out to Cali for that month, which was epic. And then I actually came back early in case they had a couple weeks to hang with um, her sister and mother and do some cool things there. And then we settled back and uh, we have done some pretty cool things here, actually. We came back to an amazing mural painted in our house. And Kate, I can't believe that isn't here in the income report either. I mean, you're really, Fail. really letting down Fire Nation on keeping them up with our life here. Um, so this mural, okay. which I won't even go into detail on, I won't even go in, into detail on the mural because I just want you to come, Fire Nation, look at this picture. But it's it's 22 feet high by like 20 feet wide. It's unbelievable. It's next level. You have to see it to believe it. And uh, it took a, a, an amazing artist, Gustavo, 29 days to um, create this masterpiece. And by the way, if you want to see his work, it's spectacular. Follow him on Instagram at Gus Artist. So G-U-S Artist, Gus Artist. He would love, love your follow and love what you think of his work. Um, you can see our project there as well. Um, it's spectacular. 
And then we've also done some amazing landscaping to our property, which Kate, again, has neglected to show here, which is an absolute debacle. So, you know, we settled back in the PR. I had a lot of cool things going on. 100% redo on the landscaping. This amazing 20 by like, maybe more like 20 by 15 um, size, 20 feet by 15 foot mural. And we settled back into PR. And Kate, anything you want to wrap up about that before we move on to podcast movement virtual? No, just that, I mean, I feel like both of us are feeling pretty great being back and just, uh, we don't have any travel plans until the holidays. And so it feels pretty nice to just kind of, you know, close out the year strong. We've got a couple of big projects we're working on right now uh, that I know both of us are very determined and motivated to finish before the year is out. So yeah, it feels great to be home and I will... I'll be excited to add the mural and a little peek at the landscaping to this report. Dope. And Fire Nation, before we talk about podcast movement virtual, we're going to take a quick second to thank our sponsors. According to a recent Forbes article, working from home could transform the job market and create global competition for every role. This means that if you're an employer, you're competing with even more employers to find the best candidates for your job. So how do you get your company and job to stand out? Start with ZipRecruiter by trying it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, you can tag it with labels like actively hiring or remote in order to help you attract the right talents. Next, ZipRecruiter's powerful technology identifies people with the skills and experience that match your job. If you're really interested in a candidate and want to snag them before they're contacted by other companies, you can even invite them to apply for your job. With one click, ZipRecruiter sends them an email from you, helping you stand out from the competition. It's no wonder that four to five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. Get the edge on the competition. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Thinkific is the best platform to create, market, and sell your own online courses. And we speak from personal experience. We've been hosting our online courses with Thinkific since 2017. With Thinkific, we can deliver content to our students in a simple, user-friendly way that allows them to learn and take action fast. Plus, our students are always raving about how easy it is to follow the flow of the content thanks to Thinkific's theme and templates. So if you're ready to create an online course to help you reach a wider audience, build revenue, and make a bigger impact, then Thinkific is the perfect partner to have by your side. To prove it, Thinkific has an exclusive offer for you, Fire Nation, their five-day course challenge. Here's what one of their recent students had to say about it. This challenge helped me gain the confidence and clarity I needed, as well as a perspective required to compile my specialized knowledge into marketable content that others will be willing to pay for. Sign up for this free challenge today at thinkific.com slash fire. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-F-I-C dot com slash fire. All right, Kate, we're back. Take it away. Podcast movement virtual. Yes. So this year at podcast movement, well, uh, I mean, virtual, hence we were not in person, which was a huge bummer. But I know that all of us have probably experienced it at some point this year. We were meant to be somewhere in person and we ended up having to move it online. Big kudos and props to the guys over at podcast movement, the entire team behind it. Um, I really feel like the virtual event went off really great. You know, it's just such an amazing opportunity to get together with people in the podcasting space. That's what I've always loved about podcast movement. It's like they truly do have a community of incredible podcasters 
who are so much fun to be around. I love chatting with them, hearing their ideas, um, hearing people's updates about their podcast and what they've been up to and new strategies that they're using. And we got all of that and more from this virtual event. But my favorite part about it, honestly, was the fact that we got to host a three-hour podcast workshop, which we called From Idea to Launch and Beyond. And I felt like it went off so well. We had such a great turnout. Uh, we did hot seats. We did we broke it into four different sessions. It being three hours, like that is a challenge, especially when you're virtual to keep people engaged and interested. So we kind of sprinkled those hot seats throughout, did Q and A throughout, and uh, I, I feel like that was pretty positive in terms, like overall, in terms of people hanging around and being engaged. Um, what do you think, John? I think you get all the credit for that. I mean, you absolutely crushed it. You set it all up. You did all the work, all the legwork. I just showed up and just yapped my mouth every now and then to uh, keep that <laughs> process moving forward. But I thought you put it together a great three-hour session. You know, we went through the idea, the how. We did some hot seats, some Q and A. Talked about the launch, and then we went beyond the launch, and then closed it out strong with the hot seats and the Q and A. And the hot seats were definitely that huge hit, and people loved it. We had a blast doing it. I do love putting people on the hot seats because you know I just don't like to take it easy on people because I don't think it helps. And I'm not just going to be here to be yo cheerleader. I'm here to move your business and life forward. Period. End of story. So why don't you kind of take this part home by talking about doing things that don't scale, Kate? Yeah, well, you definitely did bring the heat in the hot seats. That is like, <laughs> if I organized everything and made sure it's going to run smoothly, you really package it up with a big fat bow um, with some really great hot seats. So oh, do go kudos on. For that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, doing things that don't scale. So even before the event kicked off, this was a, a huge lesson for me because as we start to move more things online, um, events specifically, summits, uh, workshops, we have to start finding different ways to still leverage and get the best parts out of events. And for me, that is connecting with people and building relationships. That's what I love about going to in-person events. And for something like podcast movement, I mean, that's pretty big for our business because that's where we get to connect with our podcasters paradise community. It's where we get to, you know, hang out with a lot of people from Fire Nation so not being able to do that in person, we had to get creative and we did that by doing things that don't scale. So even before the event kicked off, um, there, the platform that Podcast Movement Virtual was using for the event is called Swapcard. And this was really my first like big experience with Swapcard. I think I have attended other events that um, have leveraged this platform, but I'm going to go into this in detail in my biggest lesson learned, so I won't spend too much time on it. But because I put in the time and the effort to connect with people on Swapcard before the event even started, we had huge payoff by way of the number of people who attended our workshop and some really powerful partnerships that we've created since then on chats that you and I have both had, John, either in email or via um, phone. Yeah, let's even get specific for a second. I mean, we just locked down a $15,000 deal with somebody whose conversation you started um, on that. I also had a 30-minute conversation with the top guy over at Wondery. So, I mean, that's just two quick examples 
of, you know, big, big payoffs from the legwork you put in. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I'll, I'll go into a few more examples of um, some of the connections that we were able to make simply from just showing up. Um, but we'll do that in the biggest lesson learned. So be sure to stick around for that. So Fire Nation, we're going to talk about the income breakdown for October. Our product and service income was $124,000. We did just over $10,000 in journal sales. That's about 388 and not actually a belt. That is 388 journal sales. Uh, we did 185 freedom journal sales, 112 mastery journal sales, and 92 podcast journals. Um, we had $15,000 for our recurring revenue and, um, we actually did a total of 16,303 for paradise for that month. Podcast sponsorships crushed it again at $97,000. So that was another good month for that. Our affiliate income brought in $15,000 total. Um, our big players, we got a big payout from Amy Porterfield for $1,300, Crush It With Challenges for $1,500. We did over $9,200 with ClickFunnels and a lot of other things that you can check out on our income report. Um, our expenses were $26,000. Um, you can go down that line item and you know one that jumps out to me. Amazon, man, Amazon's tough. $4,159 in Amazon fees. That's just how it rolls. And that was our total expenses in October for $28,000 for our net profit of $111,000, making this our 86th month in a row at over $100,000 of net profit. So awesome work again, team. Kate, biggest lesson learned. Yep. So I'll bring it back to doing things that don't scale. And Fire Nation, you know that we talk a ton about systems and processes and automation and tools and how critical all these things are to growing your business. But there will always be a time when the best strategy that you can use, the best thing that you can do is something that does not scale. So I'm going to bring it back to the story about podcast movement virtual, how you guys know that we did that. You heard the whole bit about our workshop and everything. And so in the two weeks leading up to the event and then all throughout the event, I invested time in connecting with hundreds of attendees and speakers. Now, this was actually quite easy because of the platform that they were using. All you had to do was create an account and it immediately connects you to every single other person and speaker who is attending the event and who has also signed up on the platform. Um, come to find out, a lot of people did that. <laughs> so here's what I did. I created a message that introduced myself that welcomed the attendees and speakers to the event. Um, John and I have been attending Podcast Movement since it, its inception. So that was kind of like a fun fact that, that I put in there like, hey, we've attended this conference every single year since the very start. Um, I also shared details for the workshop that we were hosting because I wanted people to know about it. I mean, I think however many different tracks and options people had for what they were attending it was plentiful. So I definitely wanted to make sure to one, introduce myself to welcome people and share a fun fact. And that was about us attending every single year. And then three, that we were going to be hosting a workshop and that we really hoped that they would come join us. I told them a little bit about the workshop. So once I had crafted this message, I created a quick video tutorial to show Jess just my VA, such an integral part of so many things that I do here at Entrepreneurs on Fire as a, as 
JM and Tapu. That's our virtual team, Jess, JM and Tapu. Shout out, guys. Um, and I just showed Jess how to go into the platform and send this message to every single individual who was signed up on the platform. Again, Swapcard made it really, really easy to do this. Um, all you had to do was click into a person's profile and send them a message. So I showed Jess how to do that. And you might be thinking right now, like, okay, wait a second, Kate, this sounds like very systematized and scalable and all those things, which you are absolutely correct in assuming that and thinking that because it was very scalable. I literally wrote a message one time. It took me maybe five minutes to create this video tutorial and send it over to Jess. And she literally did all of that for me. However, the most important part of this entire thing and what does not scale is once Jess sent out that initial message to everyone, I went into the platform every single day and I checked for replies and I responded to hundreds of messages. No joke, hundreds, hundreds, hundreds. If I had a message count, I would actually be really curious how many messages I did back and forth with different people. But I literally spent, and sometimes, some days it took me an hour to get through them all, but I went through every single one. And it was so great because it was engaging. It got me to like open the door to get to know people. And the connections have been incredible. As we mentioned earlier, um, beyond the amazing doors it has opened and the relationships that we've started building as a result of it, and all the people who kind of got to know about our workshop and then ended up attending it, it just like creates this connection and trust and excitement and all of that. And our workshop, I mean, this was an amazing opportunity for us to provide super straight value, but also to talk about free podcast course and podcasters paradise and entrepreneurs on fire. Um, so that the whole point is that what I did was not scalable at all. The result, the ROI of that was very, very high. So as John mentioned, we had a call with someone over at Wondery, which is awesome. Um, we had multiple companies express interest in sponsoring Entrepreneurs on Fire. And I actually want to say that two of those conversations have already resulted in signed deals for sponsorships. Um, we made some connections with producers over at ABC Australia. Um, we chatted with someone from Heil, um, which is the mic and equipment company that we recommend a lot. Um, we connected with someone over at Adobe, which scored us six months free on the Adobe platform, as it did everyone who attended the event and was kind of paying attention to those notifications. So that's a total score. It, we pay $50 a month each for Adobe Creative Cloud. So $100 a month times six, That it, like me literally messaging somebody back and forth a few times and creating an awesome relationship saved $600. <laughs> so moral of the story, again, there's so much power in doing things that don't scale. I am the biggest fan of automation and systems and all of that, but there is absolutely a time and a place where your ability to do things that don't scale can pay back so big. 
Fire Nation, mic drop by Kate Lynn Erickson. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Check us out at John Lee Dumas, at Kate L. Erickson on Instagram for just some of the stuff that we're talking about, like landscaping, office shots, lifestyle stuff. We love sharing our lives with you. And we will catch you on the flip side. If you're feeling like you have no idea where to start with your online course journey, then Thinkific's five-day course challenge is for you. You'll walk away with a complete blueprint for your online course that you'll be ready to put into action. Sign up for this free challenge today at thinkific.com slash fire. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-F-I-C dot com slash fire.